Code Fund Podcast Network. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Linode. Whether you're working on a personal project or managing your enterprise's infrastructure, Linode has the pricing, support, and scale you need to take your project to the next level. Get started on Linode today by going to linode.com slash sustain. everyone, and welcome to Sustain, the podcast where we talk about sustaining open source in the long haul. Who are we? Where are we going? What are we doing? How did we get here? Oh, no. Oh, no. I can't focus this week. So this is the second in a series of podcasts where we're trying to tackle the giant issue in front of the entire world, not just the open source community. Obviously, I'm talking about COVID-19, coronavirus, and how it's affecting open source in particular. Now. On this podcast, we have our two panelists, Justin and Eric. Hello, fellows. Hello, hello. Hey and a very special guest who was invited by Megan, our friend at Google. And the guest is Whitney Hetz. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here. So, Whitney, your website says you're an executive coach. Can you clarify what is it you do and how do you do it? <laughs> I wish someone would tell me so that <laughs> so that I would know. I a support for business leaders of various kinds to help them be the best versions of themselves. And executive coach is sort of the term that's widely accepted in the field, which is why I use it because it makes me findable and maybe it helps differentiate me from a life coach who is someone who works more on the personal side of life and I work more on the professional side of life, but it's not that clean and personal stuff comes into it all the time. But yeah, I don't even really know how to explain it. It's really just something you experience and I'll do my very best to give you some insights into it as we keep going today. No, that's fantastic. I've worked with Multiple versions of coaches, some executives, some life coaches, obviously mentors, mentees, colleagues have given me a lot of advice and help in the past. One of the things you, you mentioned just now is that you help people figure out, you know, just to very badly repeat what you just said, which is what I'm doing right now, how to run their businesses and how to do so effectively and how to make sure that they're on top of things and they're the best version of themselves. So just to cut straight to the chase. How has COVID-19 affected your business and how has it affected how you help people during this time? In some ways, it is a major disruption because nothing is business as usual, nor should it be. It is the top thing on everyone's mind. People are overwhelmed, emotional stressed, anxious, a whole roller coaster of emotions, honestly, <laughs> myself included. I was about to say, uh, stop talking about me. I thought I asked you a question. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. It's something that we're all experiencing and I have clients all over the world. So there are times when things are happening in the US or in the UK where when I speak to certain clients, 
it's obvious that what's going on in their region is affecting them, but this is affecting everyone. And so, yes, we're distracted. We don't feel like we can focus. We don't feel like we're as productive as we would like to be. Uh, There's a lot of adjustments, a lot of adapting going on. People who aren't used to working from home, people who are used to working from home, but aren't used to having the rest of the family home with them while they're doing it. Projects at work changing, projects being canceled, priorities shifting within the business, whole businesses shutting down temporarily or permanently. So a lot is changing. And at the same time, coaching is this very strange thing in which you're in an intimate one-on-one conversation where you've built a relationship over time and you can go to very deep places. So yes, this is on top of everyone's mind, but we also can continue to talk about the things that they were working on before now and how this new context may make that more possible, less possible. The things they're learning about themselves, the things they're grateful for, the shared experiences that we're having and the ways that I can help them to see that their experience is shared because I'm hearing similar things from many clients. And in some cases, people want an hour away from the pandemic. And being able to offer them that is also something I feel really grateful to be in a position to do. For some people, it's the one hour that they're getting to you know, really dig into some other area of their work that's really important to them. Some people are finding it an odd moment of possibility to work on legacy code because they're not their their companies aren't as in demand and so they can launch things with less fanfare and less consequence they can you know make upgrades that they've been putting off they can do all kinds of things that we always know are important but we never find the time for and and so we can talk about strategies around that It really varies person by person and what they're needing in the moment. And I just feel really, really grateful to be in a position to be able to be an ear for whatever they may be going through. You know, while you were talking, I just had this this kind of idea popped in my head. You know, maintainers I've always seen as kind of like the C-suite of an open source project. And that's who you work with, C-suiters. would maintainers get a lot of value out of your management coaching? And I'm thinking like, maybe that's something FOSS responders can provide is, you know, hiring you to help them while we're dealing with this big issue. Is that something that would even make sense? I'm so grateful to you for bringing it up, Justin, because there is a misconception in the term executive coaching that it's only for executives. And it's actually for everyone. It's for anyone who's interested in being more conscious in their work and developing themselves and growing in their careers. So I think of it more as like executive function or executive presence, leadership than 
for executives. And I do think that anyone who's in a role where they're supporting other people, where they have to look out for other people's well-being, where they have to maintain large systems or where they facilitate collaboration across a lot of people, if they're not getting support from somewhere, then their own inner resources may be tapped. And I often tell my clients, it's hard to pour from an empty cup. You really do have to be taking care of yourself, supporting yourself. And coaching is one of the many ways that can do that. I would not say it's the only way or even necessarily the best way. For people at a certain point when there's an opportunity for them to be in partnership with someone else, when they could use a sounding board, when they could use a mirror to help them see themselves more clearly, which is really what a coach can do. And the time is right for different people at different times. Some people are never open to it. Some people can't operate without one. It it really varies, but it is definitely a strategy for anyone at any point in their career to get help in where they're trying to go. Well, I, I think that would be an, an interesting experiment if we could like set something up with that because I, I I don't I mean I know a few maintainers. Eric knows a lot more. I haven't been really in touch with them lately, you know, because everything's going on. But I'm sure there's some that are just kind of stressing out. Could use a good a mentor or a, you know a sounding board as you said and right here buddy right yeah right here. yeah exactly yeah <laughs> Main, the maintainer i up yeah so i think after after this call we're going to we're going to set something up it just my mind just like bing like it just a little light bulb came off so okay i'm going to stop i appreciate that so much and i was talking earlier about one on one coaching which is sort of the primary approach that i take with my clients But group coaching might also be really helpful right now because I think as much as everyone kind of intellectually knows that we're all in this together and you see people freaking out on Twitter and wherever you hang out online and you know that we're all stressed, we also don't do a very good job of believing that it isn't just us. And what group coaching can do is help people to see that this really is a shared experience and allows those people to support one another rather than the support coming only directly from the coach. So I'm sure a lot of maintainers are in the same boat. And to be in a support system with one another and help each other you know, come up with strategies for coping right now might be really helpful. I totally agree with that. When I lived in San Francisco and did a lot more San Francisco type things, <laughs> I, I had a, a men's group I would go to every Wednesday. We'd meet in front of a fire pit and share about our emotions in a safe space, which is not something I was taught to do growing up in sure. white evangelical Connecticut. And it was really awesome. And some of those, some of the sounding I got back that anger is normal for a young man or and I don't mean to say man is in, you know, there's that was just one of the focuses of the group. But that was your context. Certainly in that context. Yeah. And also, you know, stress and anxiety are totally normal at all stages of life. And we're all in it together. 
just listening to you just now, I'm, I'm remembering interactions through my week where I've been pushed this week just a bit further than I normally like. And my empathy has gone down and my, some of my communication has suffered and I have anxiety over it. And, and I have to work double hard to make sure that not only do I apologize, but also that I self-care so it doesn't happen again, right? How do I build a tank back up so that the cup when, from which I pour has something in it, you know? It doesn't need to yeah. overflow right now, but being, <laughs> being, you know, at least a quarter full, not a quarter empty would be great. Um, yeah, I hear you. I do. And yes, empathy is important. I mean, my whole business is based on it. And I've been you know, beating the empathy drum for a very long time. But I think a misconception about empathy is that it's all about what we give to others. When in actuality, it starts with what we give to ourselves. It may seem strange to think of self-empathy, but it really is the act of feeling into our own feelings and needs. And by practicing that, by recognizing what we're not getting, what we're needing, what we're struggling with can help us get more insight into why we're reacting the way we are, why we're making decisions that we are. And offering ourselves empathy and compassion, especially now, is more critical than ever. We've got to be so gentle with ourselves. We are all taking in so much energy, so much intensity, so much stress that we have to be gentle, take it slow, recognize that we're not going to be as productive as we'd like to be. It's okay that we might react in a way that we would rather have not reacted. We're human and we are struggling. And this is a, a time unlike any other that none of us could have predicted. And we really didn't see coming. And I appreciate that you want to apologize. And I'm sure that the people on the other side of that will appreciate your apology as well. But it's okay. You know, we, we all can only do so much. And the easier we are with ourselves, I think the easier it is to be with others. That reminds me of when I was in cognitive behavioral therapy, they say, you need to put your oxygen mask on first before you can help others. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. (laughs) I never got that. Like whenever I was, you know, old enough to listen to the airplane (laughs) spiel, but still early on enough in adulthood to not get things. I'm sure there's lots of things I still don't get. I always took issue with that. I was like, why are they having adults put their masks on before kids' masks? It makes no sense. And as a coach, in my coaching training, they actually spent the first quarter of a year-long training program coaching us, saying that we had to be coached before we could coach anyone else because self-care and self-connection is such an integral part of the process to be able to take care of anybody else. So yeah, we have got to put on our own oxygen masks first. And sometimes that looks like walking away from the computer. Sometimes that looks like you know taking a walk around the block or going to get a big glass of water or turning our phone off for a while or 
whatever, it's different for everyone, but being gentle with ourselves is really, really critical. So I have a question for you with the persona, because a lot of maintainers are, I'm going to hazard, I'm just going to go out and and say what I, what I, what I think is probably accurate. A lot of maintainers are in their twenties or early thirties. A lot of them are early career people who have gotten into open source and host something and have the time and resources to continually do it. But there are some maintainers who don't fit that category. There are maintainers who say work in an industry um, and it's like part of their job to deal with it. There's also a lot of maintainers who have families. And right now having a family is really a very different experience. I have no dependence. I can't imagine what it would be like that dependence, especially to suddenly be homeschooling. And I was homeschooled, so I know what that would take, you know, at least from one side of the, that's the story. So one of the questions I have is, if I were a, a mother and a maintainer, and I'm really stressed right now, and I have to feed my kids, and I have to teach them, and I have to maintain open source, and I don't have time to walk away from the computer. I don't have time to go for a, a long walk in the woods. I mean, me personally, Richard, he's going up a mountain tonight, and there's nothing no one can do to stop me, because that's just what I'm going to do to find my happy place. But most people don't have mountains nearby. So do you have any advice for that sort of person right now? Thank you for asking the question, Richard. And it's a common one. There is a saying, though, around meditation. If you don't have time to meditate once a day, meditate twice a day. (laughs) Yes, I hear you. There are people who have contexts that make this way more challenging than other contexts. That is very true. I will name my own privilege right now. I have financial cushion. I work for myself. I don't have children, pets, a mortgage. I have a very flexible lifestyle. I have an amazing partner who's incredibly supportive. I live in a house that's quiet. I live in a wonderful town where there's beaches and woods and everything. So it's very clear to me that I have access that a lot of people don't have. I have time that a lot of people don't have. And I work with a lot of people who don't have access and who don't have time. And what they're having to do is get very real with themselves about what their priorities are. And I think we're going to see major shifts that come out of this in our society, but reprioritizing and maybe reevaluating our values are going to be two big shifts. And so I don't want to be the one to tell any maintainers that they may have to consider what they can still take on. And yet, that is going to be a reality for some people. If one of the reasons why you're active in open source is because you have a stable paying job that gives you time and space to participate in things that don't pay and that job or that security around the job is now gone, then it may mean you have to do less of what doesn't pay in order to find something that does so that you can feed your children. And I think we all need to be patient and respectful of that, that some things may change hands and some people may have to ask for help. And those of us who are in a position to give help need to be ready to give it, even if that's not something we would usually do. I think we all need to really dig deep and look at where we're able to be of service. And if that means 
being a support to someone who has less support available to them and more responsibilities than we do, that's the kind of thing we've got to do. We see tons of businesses adapting, you know, factories and manufacturers adapting what they're creating in order to be of service during this time. Similarly, we need to step up for each other. So I, I have yet to find someone who can operate without any sleep, without any food and water, without any fresh air. So I don't buy the argument that there's someone who doesn't have time to take a step away from the desk or open up a window and take a big breath of fresh air, even if they can't necessarily get outside. But that may mean having to ask ourselves the tough questions of what can we put down right now? Not necessarily permanently, but what may not be the biggest priority to help us get through this crisis? And who can we ask for help to make sure that those things don't get completely dropped, but passed on consciously and smartly and without too much disruption for the people that you know, benefit from them? It's very difficult for me to think of meaningful questions because all I'm hearing is, oh, man, I need to hear that right now. Oh, I need to hear that right now, too. So <laughs> I just, I'm very appreciative of this conversation, and I completely agree with you. I've already seen some priorities reset in my life. I know other people have in theirs. Something came to mind. (laughs) I have a dear friend who is now, has a toddler at home, is working from home, can't stop working. Her partner, his work is unclear moving forward. And she's looking for creative ways to keep her young child entertained while still being able to work. Because a lot of people have kids that are not at an age where they can just tell them to go play by themselves or with their siblings or something. She's doing split screen on her machine where she has her work on one side and she has like Peppa the pig, which I think I'm saying it right playing on the other side to keep her kid entertained and close by like where she can watch her, but still be doing her work. Who would have ever thought like we needed multiple monitors so that we could be playing, you know, cartoons for our kids on one side and writing code on the other, but we got to get creative. Well, it's so funny you say that because last night I just, I hit rock bottom emotionally and like, just mm. physically, but I still felt like I had to do work. I, there was stuff that like had to get done. So I wrote a big sheet and then I you know, started live tweeting. I'm just going to have all the, the green tea I want. Then I was like, you know, but I want something else. And so I used my two monitors and on one screen, I had the very adult Richard going through his inbox, answering things, writing code. On the other screen, I watched my neighbor Totoro for the kid in me. And it was really great. Oh, you know? And that's such unsighted. a good movie. It was so good. It was yeah. so good. And uplifting, right? Oh, it was. And I just, I went to sleep very happy. You know, it's like I I did two things at once. I satisfied the toddler and I satisfied the adult. It's wonderful. (laughs) For me, I've I've had a similar scenario where I'm so fatigued by work and I'm so fatigued by everything that's happening in the world that I literally went out and bought myself a completely different computer that I can use and say, this is my computer for fun, for learning, for growth, 
that's not work related because to me it's it's almost like I needed that mental separation in order to feel like I can enjoy this because to me now working on my Mac it's like it's all work related and I don't really enjoy certain parts of it so that's what I had to do and I know it's like a crazy thing to go buy a second laptop just to to not work on your work machine but to me it's helping I'm so glad that you realized that that was something that you could do for yourself and you made it happen. That's really getting creative. I mean, that is out of the box thinking. It's not something that we would (laughs) normally do, right? But, you know, for those of us who need that clear separation, those boundaries, we've got to think about how to create that for ourselves. And some kind of physical separation might do that. I do it in a variety of ways. So I have a space that's dedicated to my work, but I also do non-work activities in here. At the end of my work day, I have a mist that I spray and it kind of creates like this oral memory of it's it's complete. You know, it's it's I'm closing the work day and I'm kind of refreshing the energy of the space. And then I walk out, I do something in the kitchen. And if I come back to do other things for myself afterwards, there's like new air in the space. That's the thing that's worked for me. But it's been years of, you know, experimenting to figure out what works. Something else that came to mind is that especially now, we need to allow ourselves moments of joy. So whether it's a film or whether it's a side project or whether it's doing our open source work or whatever it is, something that uplifts us, we've got to try to find a little bit of space to allow ourselves to be happy in that moment. And it's okay to have a moment of joy, even with all of the sorrow and all of the pain that's happening all around us. It doesn't diminish our recognition of that. It celebrates the fact that we're alive, that we are safe, that we're secure in this moment. And it celebrates the people who are putting their lives on the line to take care of others. And it's really such a necessary part of this collective grieving process that we're all going through. Grieving mass deaths grieving the loss of the lives we once knew that we expected would continue, you know, grieving human touch and the connection, the hugs and the kisses and the high fives and all these things that have become such a normal part of our existence. We've got to be gentle with ourselves through that process and finding those little moments of joy or separation, as you were describing, Eric, is so essential and we deserve to feel those things. It, it is something that I'm noticing my clients kind of feeling some guilt around, which is why I wanted to just name it. Thank you so much. I also, I don't use a mist. I have a little bell, which I ring, which works pretty well. And then sometimes when I need something else, that's a bit more joy. I have a fever and I literally have a cowbell next to my door. But I just ring a lot and it's like, okay, things are very different all of a sudden. There's a bell. That's awesome. I love that. (laughs) Where can people find you online? 
WhitneyHess.com, at WhitneyHess on Twitter, Whitney at WhitneyHess.com. If you want to email me, Google Whitney Hess. I am super findable, very accessible. I love hearing from people and connecting with new people and anyone that's feeling like they could use an ear or just someone to chat with during these crazy times. I am here. I'm available. I just would love to be a part of your support system in whatever way that I can be. And I'm not even trying to pitch my coaching services, (laughs) which is kind of one of the issues around being a coach is that anytime you're like, just being nice. People think you're trying to pitch your business. I'm so not. I really just want to offer what I can. And maybe I don't have a lot of skills, but being there for people is one of the skills that I have. And anyone who's needing that right now, I just want you to know you can reach out to me at any time and we can connect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, That's Whitney Hess, H-E-S-S, everyone. H-E-S-S. Same applies for me, by the way. If anyone needs help, feel free to reach out. Whitney, if you need a, an ear, mine's pretty pretty deaf, but it's around. Oh, so. that's incredibly kind of you. Thank you. And I have wonderful clients who always ask me how I'm doing, but I am noticing that people are really wanting to know how I'm doing. And it means so much to me. It really is a mutualistic relationship. And and I think that we really need to mean it now when we ask people, how are you? And give them the space to answer however they're really doing in that very moment, recognizing that it may have been different a moment earlier and it may be very different a moment later, but that that's all okay. We're going to get through this together. Thank you so much. That's all for today, folks. I'm ringing the bell. Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Linode. With 11 data centers worldwide, including their newest data center in Sydney, Australia, with enterprise-grade hardware, S3-compatible storage options, and their next-generation network, Linode delivers the performance you expect at a price that you don't. Get started on Linode today by going to linode.com slash sustain.